Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your Farmers Insurance Open recap episode. And joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Hey, Greg. Another uh, quiet week in the game of golf, so excited to be here. Should be a nice casual conversation. I like it. I'm sure we will all be uh, in on our best behavior over the course of the next hour or so. Kyle Porter is here. KP, what up? Are we going to talk about Paul Casey's win in in uh, Dubai? Yeah, that's the first uh, forty-five minutes. Is Paul Casey? <laughs> Who do you think he'll get paired with in the Ryder Cup this year? <laughs> yeah, that's the storyline. Mark Immelman is here. Hey, Mark. How's it, boys? Hey, by the way, good news. I am COVID negative in my second test of the week, so I can go home tonight on the red eye. Happy. All right, we love to hear that. And rounding out the crew, it's the coach. Hey, coach, how's how's hey. it going? Uh, it's good. As a former heel in the world of pro wrestling, I'm here for Patrick Reed. So let's get this thing going. Let's go. All right, gentlemen, strap in. Uh, get ready to go. Let's let's do this. Obviously, the storyline uh, both on and off the course this week is Patrick Reed. He goes out and he wins the Farmers Insurance Open, closing with a 68. That's four under par and winning by five shots over a group of golfers at nine under par. Uh, we are going to talk about the performance, but we need to go back to the third round. What transpired on the 10th hole the reaction from that so uh we kyle and mark and myself were able to to catch up on this so i want to bring greg and coach into this off the bat here and 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 greg we'll start we'll start with you i mean uh overall what you saw from patrick reed receiving what could be de- described somewhere between a questionable generous inappropriate type drop on the side of 10 there and then how he kind of handled that in the 24 hours that transpired yeah, I'm interested to get um, your thoughts. I know you guys talked about it last night, but now we've we also your thoughts, seen. Greg. <laughs> oh, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give them to you. But I'm interested to see if if your thoughts changed at all with what we saw with Rory McIlroy, um, yeah. if if that influenced the decision at all. Because I mean, I look at this in one general light, and it's one: what rule did he actually break? And two: how much does his reputation play in and uh, play in as a role here? Because to me, it's it's largely reputation. There may have been a couple of questionable things, but if this was anybody else, I think it it's treated completely different. Because the reality is that you ha- you don't see that ball, you don't always see it from the distance away that you are when you're Patrick Reed in the fairway bunker, um, and everybody in the group doesn't see it happen. It uh, doesn't see the ball bounce. A volunteer who's right there doesn't see the ball bounce. It. It's very interesting to me. It's one of the more interesting stories that I've heard because you have everybody from the PGA Tour, the rules officials, uh, the tournament director, the senior tournament director. You have everybody in the group, uh, the volunteer. Nobody sees it bounce except for the camera. And so the the 
Twitter world is going nuts. We're, we're up in arms about it. And here everybody is in real time on the golf course having to make these decisions. It, it looks completely different than it is. So I do think Patrick Reed's name played a huge role in it. And I don't personally, I don't think he broke a rule. So I, I think it um, I think this whole situation probably very likely spurred him on to to win today. Well, that that is certainly part of it. I think that uh, coach and and you can you can speak to this as well. I mean, Patrick Reed is the heel. He loves it. I, I think yep. he he thrives on this back against the wall. Everybody kind of angry at him. There was no chance he was backing down on Sunday. Well, there, there's a couple of different things that I want to hit on, first of all. First of all, there was a lot of big names in the world of golf that were very vocal yesterday and today. I watched Brandel twice on what he said on Golf Channel, and it's clear that he just doesn't like Patrick Reed because he's talking about morality and golf and, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting here saying to myself, he asked his two playing partners, he asked the volunteer, he asked the rules official, and afterwards they called him in and they said, Patrick, you did absolutely nothing wrong in how you did it. And so the other part I liked is that today, so many different occasions, after the, after the round yesterday and then today, he didn't apologize for nothing. And I'm telling you, when, when you have a heel athlete, and if, for anybody that doesn't know what a heel is, it's basically a bad guy in the world of sports. <laughs> Bad guys love this attention. And I guarantee you right now, when he walks off the stage after talking to all the media, he's going to go into the locker room in a, in a closed-door scenario, and he's going to be high-fiving his caddy and saying, tell you what, we just did that. We showed the entire world that we're one of the best players in the world, and it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. And he walked away with over a million dollars, and yet all these people, Brandel, Nick Faldo, anybody else that went off on him on Twitter that just doesn't like him, and I thought some of it was completely unprofessional, especially from Brandel. And so if I'm Patrick Reed, I'm not caring about what anybody says because the PGA Tour is going to hand him a check. They're going to hand him his ninth PGA Tour win, and he's going to be the favorite come the U.S. Open come June. So for me, I loved how he handled it. I didn't think he did anything wrong. And for people to go off on him on social media, I thought just was completely out of bounds. And he's going to get a surfboard for his uh, work in, in San Diego this weekend. Uh, Mark, let me bring you in on this because you guys, you know, since we last chatted, uh, the Rory McIlroy shot came into our ether. So Rory mm -hmm. on 18 on Saturday hits essentially what is a very similar shot to what Patrick Reed does, does uh, one hop. It goes down into the rough. Rory McIlroy assesses the situation and without calling in a rules official, uh, takes his embedded ball relief and drops next to his original spot. Now, you guys on the telecast uh, today uh, kind of went through that whole storytelling aspect of it. Are these two situations different? Are they the same? Getting uh, you know input from from everybody out there. Uh, what is what was your assessment of the situation since the last time we talked when this Rory McIlroy stuff came to light? Really, to, in my opinion, and again, I can only speak to my experiences in this, and my experience was from down in the fairway. I lost the ball in the air with a glare. We got there. The thing was way underground when I looked at it. The grass is very wet. Uh, and uh, when, when we arrived at Reed's ball, I I heard him ask the volunteer. There was there was a, a couple gentlemen and a lady there, and, he's, and I heard him say, did this thing bounce? Um, which is which is a, uh, a legitimate question because I shared the Matt Kuchar anecdote from the memorial a couple of years ago that I was involved in where I saw the ball bounce, it jumped up and spun into its own pitch mark, and, and he did not get relief for it. 
um, where if it was went into another pitch mark, um, if the ball's embedded, I wouldn't, I wasn't sure what the ruling would be. Anyhow, um, the only way these two things vary is the protagonist involved, and Rory is on um, now the policy board, just been voted on by his peers. So that says that everyone on the PGA Tour who carry golf clubs for play, use golf clubs for a living, respect the guy's um, ethos and his morality and all of these whatever you want to call to use Brandle terms highly. And and then there's Patrick Reed, obviously, who people honestly are waiting with crosshairs on the guy's back all of the time. No matter what he does, if there's just somewhere on the edge, someone's going to go after him. So that's the one thing. And then the other thing was there were volunteers involved. But this is going to happen. I, I heard early in the week where I spoke to players, they're like, we're losing balls on the edge of the fairways right here because the rough is so thick and there are no galleries to point out where the golf ball is. Because if there was a gallery there for Reed's thing, I guarantee you, and for Rory both, someone would have said, no, the thing hopped. And then we wouldn't be having this sort of, event so because we're short on gal- no galleries short on volunteers this sort of stuff happens and golfers were getting lost in this rough in practice rounds and so it was always, it was always likely and then we had all that rain on friday it was a wet golf course it, the first thing the players would be looking for because remember they had been lift clean and placing the thing for three days and the first day was precautionary because they knew the weather was rolling in sunday it was an awfully wet golf course so the first thing this golf ball does when it hits the ground breaks the surface because it's so wet. Then you pick up a golf ball that's got mud on it, like Reed did, and, and you sort of set it down. Or when you lift clean and placing, you can clean the thing. So there's so many factors involved. Now, again, I said this on the podcast the other evening, and my colleagues sort of agreed with me. Um, you don't really handle the ball like he did. But he also said that I put the ball aside because I didn't want to rub mud off the thing or anything like that. So he was justifying his actions. And, and now with the Rory thing coming to light, I hate to say it, but it sort of shot a big hole in the Patrick Reed story. And all of the brouhaha on Saturday is, is, is a moot point right now. And just to that one thing, um, sure. like I said, we were out there and the thing happens fast. It's like those bang, bang plays. None of us in the fairway saw the thing bounce. I didn't even see it land, okay? I lost it in the air because of the glare. Then some influencer on Twitter um, because Reed came out and said, well, I didn't see the thing bounce or whatever it was. Someone on Twitter goes, well, we saw it bounce. The rest of the world who watched this thing on replay in slow motion on television. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, please, man, really? Do, do, it's, this is how it goes, and this is what you got to understand. When you're inside of the ropes or on the field or whatever, they're bang, bang events that happen, and rulings have to be made on the spots. And yes, we have the luxury in other sports to go up to the replay booth they went to the replay booth late, late on this thing, and then it all came to light. But in Patrick's defense, um, and again, he shouldn't have handled the ball. I'm not defending him. He, he went about the protocol correctly, uh, and, and the rules body um, gave the blessing to it. Okay, uh, I, I won't uh, defend Patrick Reed here. So I think we can simultaneously, uh, Patrick Reed and, and Roy McIlroy probably both got relief that they shouldn't have gotten. And, and both are probably in the wrong. And KP, I want to bring you in on this because I'm having trouble reconciling um, two things and, and two things that are directly from Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed says it's impossible for a ball to plug on the second bounce. And he also says the ball was embedded. Well, th- those two things don't, they don't reconcile. And the, the idea or the fact that a rules official uh, reached his hand in and felt a lip uh, on a ball that could not have possibly been embedded leaves me wondering, what was he feeling? 
Because if those first two things that we know from Patrick Reed are true, and we know that a rules official fell to lip, none of this makes any sense. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm on an island here with the, the Reed thing. Um, I think that... I think that the Rory thing does make it more complex. I think Mark, I think Mark is right. I, I think that your history with this stuff matters a lot. Just does. It always does. It always will. And Reed's history has been bad and Rory's history has been, as far as I know, great. Especially going back Impeccable. to the PGA last year, which we which we talked about on Saturday. So I think it begs the question. Because I don't need nobody saw either of the balls bounce. I think that's true. Uh, Rory did Rory's ball bounce up and land it in its own pitch mark. That's what he said on Sunday afterward. I've I, I, I don't know. I wasn't out there. It seems like that would be it would be hard for that to happen in the rough, <laughs> not necessarily impossible. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I don't know. But I think. It also begs the question about Patrick's Reed ball or Patrick Reed's ball. Did it? We know it didn't bounce in its own pitch mark because we saw it bounce forward. Did it bounce in a different pitch mark? Because yes. in that scenario, I, that's that's the uh, get out of jail free card for Reed is because nobody saw it bounce. Which I again I, I agree with that. Um, it, if it landed in a different pitch mark and you th- and you didn't see it bounce, then your presumption, rightfully so, is that it was in your own pitch mark and therefore it was embedded. Now, which is more likely, that Rory's would land in its own pitch mark or that Reed's would land in a different pitch mark? I I don't know. Um, And this is where sort of the history matters because these things are so nuanced and there's so much much gray area um, that... It, it, for Reed, it's like, man, get on the right, get get on the um, like conservative side of this, just <laughs> just one time, like just one time, be on the conservative side of the. And Lonto Griffin said this afterward. If I can, if I can yeah. read this, uh, do you have it up, Rick? I, I have it. Yeah. So, the, so here is here is there's there's been some reaction to this from players who who we got uh, you know quotes from afterwards. So Lonto's quote. Uh, he, he, he says a couple of things. He gets asked about it, but the, the quote, I think you want here, KP is he says, so it's tough to see it's sad kind of pisses us off, but that's the way it is. Hopefully something changes and can come to a conclusion. Yeah. And so, you know, he, he also said, I think the, the part I was referencing, he said at the end of the day, I think 99% of the golfers out here, if it's in question one way or the other, they're going to go the other way, not taking a drop that, that kind of deal. And that's where I just feel like Reed pushes the envelope, pushes the envelope, pushes the envelope. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't feel like that's in the, the spirit of the rules. And damn it, I feel like he led the rules official into this. It like the narr- the, the story kept being like, Reed uh, was one step better than Rory. And that's not true. He freaking took his ball out of the hole called a rules official in to try and confirm something that did not exist. The ball was no longer there. There was no evidence. And we act like that's way better than what Rory did for some reason. And I just, I just completely disagree with that. But R- Rory did the same thing, Kyle. He moved Rory his ball. The ball out of the pitch. Yeah. He, did. he takes the ball he out did. of the pitch he mark. Did. He does the same thing. He just doesn't bring a rules official in there. So I go back to this. The, the question now is once nobody's seen it bounce, 
question is, is the ball embedded? And if you if, if it looks embedded and you check it out, nobody's seen it bounce. It doesn't matter what it's in now. It's in a hole. And so it, you you have now a question. So you're unsure. And while Lanto says most players will say, okay, it's probably not plugged. What they really do is ask a rules official. That's the next step. So you're going through this. And this is why everybody on tour has sided uh, with Patrick Reed saying his process was perfect because, because nobody saw it. Should they have seen it? Should somebody have seen it and brought this up earlier? That's a, di- a completely different question, but it removes Reed from being, uh, it, he's not in this sense trying to get away with anything. He's going through a process. Same so the ball wasn't there. Yeah. The ball was no Greg, longer there. What, what, what is the rules but official it, feeling? If there's they a ball filled it, the lip, right? He has four. He, he has four. The ball didn't plug. What is what is the lip from? It well, it, it oh, could only be Patrick thing. and him and his caddy know that he. They clearly yeah, said there's a lip there. He the has four different, different people. Four different so, people. Four different so, people. He asked. There's a Sorry, way. Ahead, I, will, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. That ground. When I looked down at that ball, I could barely see the top of the thing. Now there was a lot of grass around there, and I said this the other night. And I, again, I'm not defending Patrick Reed. I'm just calling you, telling you what I saw. That grass was awfully wet. So much so that there was still moisture all over the place on the grass. And it, if there's moisture on top, there's moisture underneath because stuff goes downwards. And and. Uh, I don't know who's going to go and throw a golf ball there and test it a few times. Nobody ever is going to know if the thing was embedded or not. Yes. Now, does it make sense that if it's coming from two feet high, whatever it was, it's going to not embed? Sure. But remember, the rule of embedded doesn't mean the thing has to be completely submerged. It's just got to be have broken the plane of the ground. And if it's wet enough, you guys go drop a ball in some wet mud. It's going to settle a little bit. And that's probably what they felt. Now, again, I, I, I'm saying probably because nobody knows. I'll tell you this much. When we're coming down the stretch there and the thing's almost done and dusted until Victor misses that short putt on 17, when Patrick's on 16 green there and he starts calling for a rules official, I'm like, oh, my <laughs> Lord, let's not do this now. Let's, <laughs> we've already had this debacle on Saturday. Let, let me ask everybody this. When, when, when somebody hits it in the fairway and the ball ends up in a, in a pitch mark, and that happens a lot Right? Why is it so hard to believe that right off the green of a really difficult hole that there would be other pitch marks because everybody's hitting irons in? So there could be probably eight or nine or ten holes in that spot from other people that are hitting balls. So it's not even that hard to even think about for it to land in another hole that somebody already made. That's his That's his exoneration. That that yeah. right there is if, if that's what happened and – potentially could have then that then that's your exoneration i just i just felt like on saturday he was just walking that rules official right into this little thing that he set up where the ball wasn't even there there was nothing there like that to me confusion from the rules official he goes where's your ball what what that to me is way worse than what rory did because i feel like we keep praising reed for bringing the rules official in there was nothing there. Like there, there, like he brought him into this made-up scenario where his but, ball but, didn't. But, but Kyle, Kyle, when when you have an embedded ball, the process is to keep speed of play going. You pick it up and you check, and then he put the tee down, and then after asking four people, so I don't know why we're skipping over that in the process. Or would it have been better <laughs> if he put the ball back? Because you're going to check it out. You're going to see if right. It's you're going to check it if he puts it back. You're in the same question. 
the ball being there mm-hmm. or not to me doesn't have any it doesn't make yeah. any difference to me no not to me either i just i think that you and mark said this on saturday you talked to i mean i've never seen that happen maybe it has happened every time that you see an embedded ball thing it's either what rory did where you just take it out and play or you uh, call a rules official over to look at the where the ball actually is rather than sticking his hand into this hole that just, I don't, I don't know. Like like that's the thing that you got four inches of rough and and we're belaboring this point because it's nauseating now. There was about four inches worth of rough there. So you got grass that's long and then the things down underneath it. So he, you, you, I honestly, I could see about, Imagine about a, a little, probably a nickel's worth top of the golf ball between the grass, right? If you're looking down on the top of the thing, I nearly stood on it when I was looking for the golf ball. And so you, you in the situation, they're trying to identify if it's plugged. Now, if it's in the fairway, that's easy because you'll see where the, the equator of the golf ball is. And you can see where the plane of the ground is. You couldn't see the plane of the ground for the length of the grass in there. And that that is something that no one's talked about either. People talking about him palming the ball and stuff. I mean, please, it, 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 he shouldn't have handled the ball. Yes, we all agree with that. Everyone, all the players right. will tell you that too. He identified his ball and he's like, oh, damn, put it back or not. So he just put it aside, which is also fair. He didn't go keep the thing and put it in his pocket or whatever. He laid down completely out of the way. Now, again, I'm not condoning anything. I'm calling it as I see it. But really, I mean, what, did he win by five in the end? You could have it wouldn't matter, it didn't matter at all. The point, matter. though, is is it just sucks. I said that on Saturday. I just think it's so it's crappy horrible, that, man. that that you keep and, and he's not the only one. This is not only Patrick Reed. There's five or ten guys on tour that they just see what they can get away with, and the tour often obliges them. And that's that's not golf. Like that's not. It just. I, I think that part of it. Is sucky, and I think he, I think he is very manipulative in the way that he goes about doing this stuff. And to me, like, I'm sorry, Rory gets the benefit of the, of the doubt, and I'm a Rory apologist, and that's fine. Like, I, I you know, whatever. Uh, and Reed does not get the benefit of, of the doubt based on his uh, like this entire career's worth okay. of evidence, and that that is what it is. But what? But why do we take away from the fact again. that he's a because, top ten player in the world? Go ahead, yeah. He still wins. He still does no, no, time to time, and I know I know you may not like it, but but we've got to we've got to respect what he does on the golf course for from, sure. from a talent. We have to. We we for can't sure. take that away today from him. And I thought I think we're doing it right now. And I think we've done it today on the broadcast too. That it was he, all about he, that instead of about him shooting at sixty eight to win this incredibly difficult tournament to win. But he does it to himself. He does not do himself any fa- like we should be talking about his short game. Is he has the best short game in the world? Like yes. he has the best short game. Him and I, I don't know. Mark can give me a, a better. I was going to say Rom. That's probably not it. I think Patrick Reed has the best short game in the world. And you know what? We never talk about because of all the other just nonsense that he does. His short game. We should be talking about that. But he makes it very difficult to do so based on all this other crap. And guess hey, what? I gotta do- he doesn't care. He does not I care gotta- what we think. I got to do this, all right? Because a lot of folks are saying, "Well, the rules officials are lame, and they're playing the tourist game, and they're hiding stuff, and there's uh, there should be more transparency." I'm hearing transparency enough, okay? All of these tri- 
tour officials. The majority of them are former players. Brad Fable has played on the tour for a long, long time. He was the rules official standing over there. They all have to pass tests all of the time. They, their job is to protect the field, and they all take their job tremendously seriously. So for all of the sideline folks to start critiquing rules officials and say that they're getting bullied around the place, that is not the truth. Now, I know Patrick is a strong um, uh, individual, but I've seen rules officials like Tiger Woods. He's the ultimate. Can you imagine when Tiger says, hey, the ball crossed the hazard margin over here? And that's another thing. We, you know, when you've got situations like that, people gloss over the fact when someone's like, I will cross back there somewhere. You know, that rule sort of gets broken often where balls cross ha- hazard margins. So I just want to say respectfully to the PGA Tour rules officials who are out there from like 4 a.m. in the morning till well after play setting up golf courses hanging around, giving these guys rulings and stuff, and then you have a situation like this and the tour kind of gets critiqued about it, that, that in my opinion, is just out of line because these guys work hard and they know what they're doing. They, they certainly do, and uh, we're, we're almost done with this. We're going to talk about golf in one second, but one, one more thing, Greg. If things weren't, if things weren't weird enough, uh, on Saturday evening, the official Patrick Reed Twitter account made it very clear that Roy McIlroy – had done this same exact thing. Of course, we end up seeing that footage on Sunday. Uh, but in the process, it essentially unmasks what could potentially be a Patrick Reed burner account, which is just another beautiful wrinkle into the Patrick Reed saga that is never ending. Yeah, I mean, you don't know a lot of a lot of celebrities. Uh, you call them a lot. We'll say. People with blue check marks, right? Do you they have, have a, they have people, you have a burner? No, I, I don't have a burner. I'm not a celebrity. I don't have a blue check mark. Okay. So I'm I'm out of this equation. We have some <laughs> some of us here are are in this equation. And you may have somebody else doing your work for you, right? You have you hire somebody, maybe it's in your agency, maybe a family member, who knows? You have somebody help you with your social media <laughs> stuff. And I don't know. I, I I just I doubt that that was actually Patrick Reed tweeting that. I really do. But I don't know if that means it's a burner account. It could be somebody that he that he hired, and very likely is. It's it's. I mean, it's definitely a burner. It might not. Be, it might have not physically been his fingers, but it was not 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 a good look. Hashtag hey, team read. Kyle's got Kyle's got a burner account. I guarantee you. <laughs> and, and he just trolls the rest of us with it. I think. Exactly. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so you, see, I, I, and I, and I, part of the reason I came on, I think that they brought me on with you guys is that I come from a completely different world, but I love golf just like you guys. It, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think that Patrick Reed and all of this stuff makes people talk about golf in January when there's still the Super Bowl coming on. And whether it sucks or whether it's not, whether we like him or whether we, we don't, people are talking about this tournament today. And for me, when you're trying to grow the game and you're trying to grow uh, eyeballs and get a little bit younger and get other things into the game, this is not all bad for the PGA Tour. I think it's uh, all good. I think it. I think yep. villains are great. Yep. It is. It is not often uh, that a PGA Tour player is trending on Twitter with like Patrick Reed was last evening. Okay, gentlemen, it's Patrick Reed. He wins by five at the Farmers Insurance Open. The closest chaser that tried to get him on Sunday was Victor Hovland, Mark, and you could see potentially maybe the pressure was getting to him a little bit. And the only reason I bring that up is because he's actually kind of told us that, right? He says his hand shakes a little bit when he gets into contention at Mayakoba. Uh, it is another step finish for him but things certainly didn't go the way he he wanted to on his on his second nine there yeah two things um you know any pga tour professional or anyone who plays a sport at a high level who has a lot of time between shots 
you know, something that's not reactive. If their hands aren't shaking and they don't have butterflies in the stomach and, you know, weird thoughts swirling through their head, they're lying to you because everyone's going through that sort of thing. I can tell you this for free. I'm, I've spoken with players who feel nauseated before rounds. I, I've spoken to people that throw up before rounds because of nerves, because when you get of yourself in situations like this and when you're running and tackling and hitting folks like that and jumping and playing quick, you you have the time to allow that sort of stuff to melt. But when there's, what, five minutes, six, seven, eight minutes between shots, yeah, I can see how this sort of thing would happen. Now, I was watching Hovland today, um, him and Ram both, and they both were really sharp going out, and they were hitting some tremendous shots and hitting the ball the right distance, which I felt was kind of crucial to scoring low around this place the entire week, but especially today with some of those hole locations. And then um, 10, they both sort of missed shots, but 10 was playing hard. And then from there, it just looked like the air sort of came out the balloon some. Um, Victor hit two tremendous shots into 12. And, and I feel like if he knocks that down, it's a different animal. And then it's a, a good shot down 13. And I, I, th that's one place I would question because to me, there were two lapses in concentration. One on 17 green when he missed that short putt. But I think then he had sort of essentially, because there was a leaderboard down the way and he had seen that, hold on, I'm what, three or four back now or whatever, and I'm not out of it, but this thing is on ice almost. But then to go there from the middle of 13 fairway when you got 300 or so to the flag, and he was sort of between laying up, between going for it, and with that 13th green, you've got those terraced bunkers. They, they are the worst places to miss. So you either hit it over that stuff or you lay it up well short. And he's halfway in, halfway out with this hybrid club, and it's a scrappy-looking shot out to the right-hand side. It's a magnificent wedge, but then misses the putt. And I felt like the whole thing just came apart over there. And then he hits a bad tee shot down 12, which is always easy because that tee shot's just awkward. But then you've got an uphill lie in the sand, nothing but disaster down the left to a left hole location. Now, if he, let's say he's Tiger Woods. Tiger fizzes that thing out 20 feet right of the flag. Sorry. <laughs> Come on, Mark. And gives, <laughs> and gives the oh, well, I'm aggravated man. And and he gives the, he gives the putter a chance to be a superstar. Where Vic, Victor off the upslope there tweaks one a bit, hits it in the barranca, cooked, and then from there he drives it against a tree, and it's just sort of done. So I felt like there was one or two mental lapses, but the physical traits are there. And I don't know if it was nerves or whatever the case might be. I would maybe the nerves led to some suspect decision making, and it began. Mm with that decision on 13 in my opinion that that's that's actually a really interesting point because you don't often think the nerves impacting the decision making which it almost it, it certainly does be careful mark you make sure you get your security deposit back um the it's funny you know kyle because you and i we were doing like top of hour hits on hq kind of throughout the day and and we were on kind of as as victor hoblin was making this ascension and i remember thinking two things one, if you combined Patrick Reed and Victor Hovland into one player, mm. it'd be unstoppable. It would just be yes. phenomenal. And then two, I'm like, this guy's gonna just run away and steal this thing, right? We had that, we had that stat where you know this is kind of a, a chaser's course. I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna actually come out and do this, but uh, to no avail. Couple, couple of bad swings, couple of bad decisions. Yeah, it's funny though because I think that in weeks like this. I feel like every week I'm like, man, I don't know who's better between Morikawa, Wolf, and, and Hovland. Like we talk about that. We talk about it every week, and I feel like my mind changes every week. And Shall I help you with that? Morikawa. Yeah, sure. Morikawa is better. He's more complete. 
Victor Hovland hits the thing like a banshee. Let me tell you what. He hits a heavy ball. He hits it out of the center of the bat every time. But it's a game of scoring. I say this ad nauseum. And Marikawa doesn't putt so great, but he scores around the greens. He chips in often. Victor is suspect where you make money. Now, when he irons that stuff out, like a Tony Fina, it's going to be a different animal. But until we'll he does that, in a second. yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> I think the thing the thing with Hovland is he does the thing that's the most he does the most important thing better than everybody. Like he's top three in the world at the most important aspect of the game on the PGA Tour, which is driving. And he didn't even drive it that great this week, and he was still he was still in it. I agree with Mark though. Like he's not. He, he's he's not as complete as Morikawa is right now. He might not even be as complete as as Wolf is. Um, but from like a baseline foundational perspective, he's freaking good, and he's gonna be just he's gonna be awesome at the Ryder Cup. I, I'm excited about. I'm excited to see what what the rest of the season holds for him. I, I think that um, I think the ceiling's pretty high for him this year. The Ryder Cup is a putting contest, pal. Trust me. <laughs> everything's a tita green contest oh, okay there we're we go. gonna we're gonna we're, we're, this is a conversation we have plenty more this season greg get get ready for tony finau we're gonna give you the tony finau spotlight in a second but coach i want to bring you in on on two guys here one rory mcelroy who uh you know I, I don't know what we expected right he's been he's been going through this phase of for the last six to eight months where just a, a bit unable to put all four rounds together. So he goes out and he shoots a one over 73 on Sunday, still finds way inside the top 20. And then I see, you know, if we're talking about the Victor Hovland's, the Matthew Wolf's and the Colin Morikawa's of the world, I, I see the next guy and it's, and it's Wills Alatoris. And we've spent a lot of time talking about him coach on this, on this podcast and what that upside is. And, and we saw it all week long. I mean, he played a very tough South course played it great, and then he just puts the exclamation point on the end by making eagle on the 72nd hole. Yeah, it was an incredible second shot, really high in the air, soft, and then pulls it back and makes the, the eagle putt. When you look at him, you think, how does he hit it that far? Because he's so skinny <laughs> and all that sort of thing. But he's got a lot of game. And when I look at it, I was very frustrated because Rory was one of my picks, even though he had to do all the traveling and all that sort of stuff, because he should be dominant on this particular course. This sets up perfectly for him. But for some reason, really the last three days, he couldn't get out of his own way. He was in the the uh, the rough all the time. And then he was trying to shape the shots. And then he today he was going for a lot of pins. And that led to the, the over par 73. But he did it just like Rom did it. All these big name guys, for some reason, just absolutely left probably hundreds of thousands of dollars on the course today because they decided to go for it when they didn't have it or didn't need to or shouldn't have. But yet Rory is one of those that if he's not going to win, he's like Tiger. If he's not going to win. I'm going to, I'm going to go for all the pins instead of, I think he could have finished second today. If he would have probably three or four different shots that he made bad decisions on, he could have easily done it. Rom could have easily done it. And I'm trying to figure out why these guys don't think second or third when that's a good finish is good enough. And Rory's got to figure this thing out because to, he is a top 20 guy, even when he has a bad game. I thought his game this weekend was was a D uh, at best, but I love Zalatoris. And you can see even when his game wasn't good, he was still right there. So, Coach, I, I want to just answer one that, that question there. The guys you mentioned that seem to go for it all, the Rory's, the Rom's, 
the the Xanders. I mean, the shot Rom hit on eighteen. It's it's they they don't care about second place, and that's why they win so much, right? That I know, attitude, but it's but it's that attitude is what leads to the win. But but it was it, that was that wasn't even close to a smart decision. And I, I tweeted in capital letters. I said, "Where are the caddies today?" Because I, you have I, a good I, caddy. I agree with you. Right, and yeah, you but never when you hit a fairway wood out of that out of that uh, bunker trying to go over the water, ever, I don't care if you're in last place, you don't do it. We've right. seen John Rom tell his caddy, uh, I'll, "I'll take it from here. <laughs> yeah, I know, don't, I know. don't worry about that." I so know. Adam oh. could have been in his ear, but I'm not. I'm not sure John would John would have listened. Go ahead, Greg. I, I just think it's interesting that those are the players. Who all who you see making the aggressive decisions, and at times it looks to be uh, it looks to be the wrong one. Those are the guys that also win. So you got to take risks in order to win. And I, I I agree with you, Coach, that it may have been the wrong decision. It was in Rom's case, especially it was the wrong decision um, on eighteen. But that mindset is it's in your DNA. It's in your fingerprint. You can't accept that loss, and you don't Greg, you don't care Greg, about the betting card Greg, at the end of the they, day. Greg, they 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 were seven back. They were eight back. Some, at some point, you got to say it's a smart play to, to try to, to go for a par here because they weren't going to win anyway. So, so yeah. if they're going for the win. I have no issues for it with it. But they were six back, seven back. They were just dumb mistakes. They were dumb mental mistakes. This was my this was my Finau take from last week of of wanting him to be be more inconsistent, right? Like like mm-hmm. forget the forget the consistency. Like dive, like your score should look like this instead of like this, especially on Sundays. And so mm-hmm. I I agree with Greg. Like to take when you take chance when you take a ton of chances and you're far back and you go for every pin, you might shoot a 77, but you also might shoot a 64 win the golf tournament. And you know, Greg's right. Like the John Rom doesn't care about second or sixth or you know whatever. Like it's either I won or I didn't. And you know, that's why the FedEx like, Cup, Kyle. Do they care they, about the FedEx Cup? Not on January thirty first. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> okay. And, and, and this is a segue into Finau because I loved it that he he just went for it all today. He didn't he didn't you know he didn't reach the green, but he went for he he actually went for, like tried to make you on on eighteen. I don't know what his number was. Maybe it wasn't really that big of a risk, and he just hit a bad shot, but. Coming off the heels of my like, he needs to be more inconsistent, not more consistent. That take, I thought it was, I thought it was great that he went for it on eighteen, and you know, it didn't work out. It cost me some one and done money, but that you know, he's going for the win there, and I thought that was great. I, I was, agree with you, Kyle. I did too. He was, was two forty four is the number, and and Greg, I'll tee you up on this. He he's, uh, I think that's two weeks in a row. He's put that driving iron in the water on Sunday, right? He's got to he's got to get that thing tweaked. Yeah, he did it on uh, on eleven last week, I believe. Yeah. This one, I think, just came out a little lower than he wanted. Would be my guess. He he was expecting it to come off a little bit higher. It didn't quite carry as far. But um, that being said, Kyle, to your take on the consistency thing, I know you took a hard time. You, you took a lot of heat for that. And there's a inconsistency is different than uh, aggression. And I think it's just, it's the risk factor that you take. And if he goes for it a little bit more, if he doesn't care about second place, the way that Rom does, you don't, you don't think about the FedEx cup uh, standings in January, because ultimately you win FedEx cups by winning golf tournaments. And if you, if you can get, if you can hold the trophy at the end of the week, that's, what's going to make the big difference. Not the, well, I came in third instead of fourth that, that one week in January. And, And that's where the mindset comes into play. These players are extremely aggressive, um, and and they know that that's what it takes to win. 
you combine that with a golf course like this, that's extremely difficult and it makes you pay sometimes a lot more mm-hmm. often than a golf course like last week. And uh, another to that point too, the par fives are extremely difficult at Torrey Pines. That's why scoring on the second nine, it's hard to get momentum when, when number 13 plays as long as it does and it's as narrow as it is. And the layup is brutal. And then you have a wedge shot going up, up, straight uphill it's hard to make birdies it's hard to gain momentum and it becomes a short game contest which is exactly what it was is um uh, on today and for tony finau this is the thing that laps today the short game he was 20th for the week in scrambling today he was two of five um and I, i think that's that's one of the areas that hurt him too many bogeys but i agree with you kyle he was more aggressive and and i think for tony ultimately this is a great week it's it's a big victory for him 16 par fives in a regulation golf course, 72 hole tournament. He played the par five six under. He played them one over yesterday. Uh, that that's something to bear in mind for a power guy. And when you've got Webb Simpson, who's averaging four and a half on par fives, uh, you know he's one of the better par five players on the PGA Tour when I last checked. And if you want to really be good and if you want to shoot consistently low scores, Tiger Woods showed us the model for this back in the early 2000s. You get after the par fives, which he did. He can reach. He could reach them all in two. So he's probably making two and a half, three birdies on average around. So that's you playing them in somewhere ten to twelve under. Better if you, if you're really going low. Then you make threes in the par threes, and then all of the par fours. You hit it right in the middle of the green. Allow your putter to be the star. You knock off one or two more. You got the recipe for anywhere from sixty nine to about sixty seven. You do that four times in a row. You're shooting twelve under or better. You keep doing that, then you're going to contend. Finau does the thing but what he's got to do and it again gets down to you know driving it powerfully is one thing but when you get it up around a par five like 13 for arguments which is 600 um you've got to be able to hit a controlled wedge in there and bring it back down the slope and make a putt from five six seven feet you're not going to whack it on every par five and two so 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 as far as the inconsistency be aggressive whatever the thing is He's just got to get off to the par fives a little bit, honestly, in my opinion. Okay. Everybody, deep breath. We are going to talk about the waste management. We're going to do our odds and ends. We'll look at our betting cards. We'll update our one and done standings. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, 
it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back. Uh, there was a fun little... Uh, mention on the telecast where I think it was on 12 Carlos Ortiz hit his ball like 60 yards right into the rough and there was a comment like I've never seen anyone over there uh Mark the last time I played Tory Pot that's exactly where I was that's exactly <laughs> where I was so I've seen it over there it is no fun I can tell you for sure it's it's a brute uh Waste speaking of Carlos it. speaking yeah. of Carlos Ortiz Shane Bacon brought this up on Twitter on Sunday he looks like Jordan Spieth over the ball it's unbelievable he does. I, I I noticed it on Saturday, and I was like, "What? Why? What? Why?" Is, I thought Spieth missed the cut, and it was Ortiz. And then Bacon said it on Sunday, and I was like, "Oh my! I'm not the only one who thinks this. This is incredible." Yeah, it's and and he wears like it's like even down to like the belt, and like it just it just looks like him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it looks like a 22 year old Jordan. Then somebody was like, "Well, you know, it's not Spieth because it's a Sunday, and you know, it's late oh. in the afternoon." I was like, <laughs> 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 uh, all right, uh, waste management, Super Bowl week. Uh, there's going to be some level of attendance at this event, I believe, but obviously not the full. They usually get some crazy amount of, of fans over there. And uh, looking at the field coach, you know, the notables, of course, John Rahm is going to be here. Roy McElroy teeing it up for the first time in his career. Uh, Webb Simpson back to defend his title. He beat Tony Finau in a playoff last year and Tony Finau not in the field. I believe he's going to the Middle East and playing over there. Uh, so we'll not JT. be present. And JT's back. There you go. What do you think, coach? Well, I think that I'm going to be calling it on PGA Tour Live, so I'm excited about uh, about go. getting there uh, tomorrow. Uh, actually, we were flying to Florida. Makes a lot of sense. I live uh, 45 <laughs> minutes from Phoenix, but we're going to go to Florida to call it. Uh, I, I think the, the part of the reason you're going to see a guy like a Rory and a JT is, is they have to uh, really start to look at their schedule and say, I've got to front load this thing because I think we've seen the last few years that the guys that play a lot early in the season, they don't have to worry about where they stack up at the FedEx Cup at the end of the year. I also think that Rory is still trying to find his game. And I think Justin Thomas might add a, a one or two tournaments that maybe he wouldn't have played in because I think he wants to be back out there in front of the public because the more somebody plays and the more somebody does well and they're, they're likable again, and he's as likable as anybody, we're going to forget about what happened in Hawaii. So I think we're going to see JT play a bunch. And I don't quite understand for a guy who stacks cash like Tony Finau does, why he would take a check to go all that way when there's so many good tournaments on the West Coast right now. And he lives out here. There would be no travel for him, essentially, from Utah. But he, he can make the schedule whatever he wants. I love the fact that Roy's playing, JT's playing. And we're really going to see, with the lack of fans, what this course uh, can really do. But I think John Rahm's going to be hot about how he played this week. I think you're going to see a really red-hot John Rahm this coming week in Phoenix. Yeah, I, I like the idea of some of these guys who have who have the firepower, Greg, right? I mean, because they're the, the closing holes at TPC Scottsdale where you've kind of got that drivable uh, par four. Obviously, the the 16th won't be nearly as raucous, but like there's there's some holes there that you can close on. So I, I'm interested to see, especially Rory. I'm excited to see Webb back out there. I mean, this is this is going to be a good one. I believe 15 is a par five, uh, I, I believe. Yes. So you got Correct. 15, right. which is a par five, 16, which is in a completely different hole this week than any other week. It goes from being a kind of a nervous hole, a hole you're thinking about the whole time because of the atmosphere to all of a sudden a wedge 
So I, I think you, you're going to see a stretch from 15, 16, the drivable 17th. That's all of a sudden a birdie fest and guys who can handle the pressure down the stretch are going to make some birdies there. And then even on 18, um, it, it's a little bit more tricky of a tee shot, but you're still, you're ending up with a, with a, a lob wedge in a sand wedge in to that green. So you're going to see, I think some fireworks down the stretch. So I, I love a, a, um, a John Rahm. I think he's going to be a great fit. A guy a little bit more off the radar who I think let a lot of people down this week, but I think he's going to have a great week next week would be Gary Woodland. Um, he is one, he fits into that mold of a big hitter, a guy who can get after par fives, a guy who can handle a, a hole like 17 um, and drive it close. And I think his game is rounding back into form. Two tough rounds in the middle, in the middle rounds this week, um, leading to a T48. But I think, I think you're going to see Gary Woodland come off strong next week. I've got the attendance numbers and what they're planning on on letting in here. So KP, we've been going a, a long time without fans. I'm wondering if it'll feel even more weird this week because of what we usually see here. So the single day record uh, for any golf tournament was, of course, here, the Waste Management, 216,000 people, which is bon bonkers. First of all, that's insane to think about. They're going to let in between five and 8,000 a day. So that, but in comparison, that is uh, like an empty golf course. <laughs> well, it, yeah. And I mean, are they all going to be on the 16th hole? Like, it, like can you, they got to have a limit per hole. It was even at, uh, at tournament at Kapalua, it was weird to see people around the 18th green. I was, I was like the, you know, the Gary player from uh Cedar, <laughs> big Cedar, whatever that place is called. Pull that up. Producer Jacob. If big, you have big the Cedar lodge, I think it is. Yeah. If you have the picture of Gary player, um, that's what it's going to be like seeing fans. I, I think it'll be great because you, you hear players talk about it's cool. Somebody. Oh, I think Rory was talking about this at Abu Dhabi. Like it's cool just to get any kind of a pause on any kind of shot, uh, no matter <laughs> where it's at. And I think that's kind of true. Like it, I, I, I don't, you know, there, there we go. There's fans at the at the waste <laughs> management this week. <laughs> the best. Gary's the best. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about it. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited about JT. That's the first time uh, first time he's played in the US since everything went down in Hawaii, right? That's right. Uh, Mark, you know, I, I, the, the other, the other thing about this is this event always lines up with Super Bowl Sunday, which, which I love, right? This is an opportunity mm -hmm. to, uh, if you're not working it, you know, put a dent in the couch, enjoy everything that's going on. It's a great sporting day leading into the Super Bowl. I don't have to worry about my team in the Super Bowl because, uh, they ain't there. So this is always, always a good, a good Sunday, uh, Mark. Well, I don't have to worry about my team being in the Super Bowl either. Um, new coach for next season. No, the, it's a special event, and it's always kind of crazy when you know CBS flips years, and because of the Super Bowl, NBC take it over. Because it's one of those events that you you want to sort of go to just because of the spectacle of it. And and like being out for some of the COVID events with no fans, it was eye popping. I'd love to see what this place looks like without fans, because the three or four times I've been there. It's just downright, it's mayhem. Uh, and, and holes like 15, 16, 17, 18, the lion's share of the people around there. And then you go on to the front side, and it's like a, uh, you get like a handful of folks just watching some really good holes on that side of the golf course. So, so there's that. Um, and then I, there's, three, there's three par fives on the golf course, unless I'm having a senior moment. So it, it's the kind of place where you've got to hit some, you've got to drive it pretty accurately. You don't want to be playing out of the desert. And then it irons well. And, 
and, and I'm just aggravated because I'd planned this and I'd been very disciplined about saving Tony Finau for Phoenix. And my, <laughs> my, my sputter on the golf course today goes, because I'm still moaning about Cam Smith missing the cut after shooting 66. And I said, it's all right. I'm going to bounce back with Finau in uh, Phoenix next week. And he looks at me and goes, dude, have you not done your homework? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, no, Finau's playing in Saudi Arabia. And I was so now I'm extra aggravated. So if you're sensing a little angst with me, it's because of my one and done's going in the tank right now. And, and Mark is a creature of habit in these one and done's. If you take if you take yeah. Fina away from waste management, if you take Webb away from Wyndham, if you take Rory away from Eastlake, he doesn't. It's it's chaos. It upsets the apple cart. Upsets the apple cart. <laughs> you should get uh, you should get Fina's uh, Saudi entrance fee. As your <laughs> exactly I can say this real I can say this real quick because we did a WWE show in Saudi Arabia. We actually did two of them in the last two years. And part of the reason the players go over there is the same prince who took care of us takes care of the players and they treat them like gold. Now they might not treat their people who live in that country like gold, but they love celebrities. They love athletes and they love these guys come over to play it, I understand why guys go there. They get a big check just to show up and they get treated like gold. Yeah. You were, you were wondering why Tony Finau wasn't staying close to home and you just answered your yeah. own question. Which is, <laughs> I still exactly. don't think you should go, but I understand. Uh, okay. Update on our contests. Our Betting super contest. I lost a little. Coach lost a little. Kyle and Mark won a little, but it was Greg. Mr. Mm, Greg. I won a lot. I won a lot. Oh, my goodness. Greg just has a sneaky little Patrick Reed to win at 25 to 1, 10 into 250. And, Greg, you get $228 of net profit for the week. Congratulations, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, so it, it, this is a, an interesting, we, we're just mentioning this now. It tells you kind of what, what, all these things that have happened uh, with Patrick <laughs> Reed specifically. Um, so <laughs> if you were like me, if you listened to my advice and played a Patrick Reed ticket, you were probably uh, enjoying it on the couch as much as I was. But what I find really interesting about this and really important is we learned the style of this golf course requires. And it's important this year because we're going back to uh, for a U.S. Open. And if you look at the leaderboard and where guys finished around the greens, we, we, we hit that on the head. We talked about it a couple times throughout the week. It's a scrambler's golf course. You had Reed who was first around the green. Um, you had a 12th just going down the leaderboard in their around the green finish. First, 12th, tied fifth. Then you had, this is interesting. You had Ryan Palmer and Xander Shoffley who were 73rd and 42nd around the green but they were first and second in scrambling. So it, it really turned out to be an around the green competition and Patrick Reed fits that mold. So um, I'm happy that the idea, the concept worked. And of course, uh, happy to jump <laughs> off to a lead in the, uh, in the, in the contest. You had a Patrick Reed outright. You had a Tony Finau top five. You had a Francesco Molinari top 20. Those are your cashing bets, which by the way, Couple weeks in a, a couple good weeks in a row for for Molinari. There's a hundred to yeah. one Masters number hanging out there on him. If I, you're I also had a, I also had a Molinari top Euro bet. I just threw a little uh, five, and he he got close for a while. It looked like he was going to get blown away, but he snuck in there for a top ten. So Molinari is, seems to be. I think he'll be a factor this year again, which is cool to see. Hey, hey Greg, did did you and I ever settle on the the low Canadian in the field bet? Because I know I won that one. Uh, you won that. We didn't. We didn't do anything on the it side ran. for that. But, All right. Uh, so, uh, well, I was wondering. Yeah, okay. you were. You were right. I mean, Mackenzie Hughes, who I went with, 
was way off. And I think Hadwin hit it. I think you nailed that one. Yeah, Hadwin Hadwin T eighteen was was low Canadian. The only other Canadian to make the cut was Corey Connors. At my quick glance here, that could be wrong. One and done. Update, Mark. We already we we know your woes. First of all, I, we've got to get you on the record here because. It was Thursday evening. Kyle and I were doing just a nice, friendly, nice, friendly pod. Not so spicy. And one Mark Immelman shows up in the chat wanting a, just a little pat on the back for that Cam Smith pick. And what does he do? Implode on Friday, miss the cut, and he keeps doing all week long. You know what? I've got, I've got my dad ringing in my head and he goes, you know what? Because this is my father says to us all of the time. He goes, you know, you could have just shut up. <laughs> and, and I've, got that in my, I've got that in my head because I, I got back to the room and obviously uh, in the COVID protocols, there's no commuting or going anywhere. So I was in the room waiting for uh, for room service and I figured, well, let's scroll uh, Twitter. And so there I go and I see the first cut and I see you and Carlo. And so I'm like, okay, let's see what these guys have to say. And as I log on, Carl's like, well, the real leader is whatever. I was like, <laughs> I nearly rolled off my bed, and so then I, 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 had, to, I had to tweet something, but it, it backfired in a huge way, and I'm still smarting. The good news is, with 4.1 million, you are still in the lead. Greg had Jason Day. That's also an MC. Greg, sorry about that. You got you got got it right with Patrick Reed. No bueno on Jason Day. Look, the concept is there. It was just, it's so disappointing. Jason Day, by the way, looks like Andrew Luck now. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's pretty cool to see. Um, But yeah, disappointed. I got to get, I'm in a big slump with the the one and done. I thought he looked like a cross between uh, Finau and Mark Hubbard. (laughs) <laughs> yeah there's a little mark covered in there but i just saw him i thought it was a i thought it was a, a pro-am so andrew let's play a golf now <laughs> hey uh coach how, what do you think you would do without that 43 cents from hideki do you think you'd be able to survive <laughs> i don't know but it, you know just like every fedex cup point I mean, it might matter when we get to september who knows who knows every shot counts yeah we have I to was bullish Producer Jacob now has to extend our totals out to cents because Coach Hideki yes. got seventeen thousand four hundred ninety-six dollars and forty-three cents. Solid, for fifty-third. What do you think about that? I, I was bullish on him this week, and other than his one sixty-six, uh, he was just awful the rest of the week. He was he was no bueno, and uh, I'm I'm lucky to get that to be honest. So I guess I got to be happy with it. But I hate the fact that I wasted him now because I think he's going to get better and. and I'm going to, I'm, you know, I should have waited for the players, to be honest. It's what I should have done. Well, he likes the waste management, too. That's true. He's a good pick next week. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you guys for that. Coach, one point four million for your total. Producer Jacob took Gary Woodland, which looks good for about mm, twenty-two holes of this event. Got him nineteen thousand four hundred and fifty-five dollars for a T forty-eight. So that moves producer Jacob to two point one million. And then Kyle, this is where we get to do our little thing here because we both got uh, we both got T two money with two different golfers, and you have crossed over the two point five million dollar mark. You're now at two point six, thanks to four hundred and fifty six thousand three hundred seventy five dollars from top five, top ten Tony. Top top ten Tony is a great alliteration top, name. Top two Tony, yeah. top two Tony last week. Top two, to- yeah. He he, uh, man. I I wonder how much he would have, how much more he would have had if he would have uh, made par on eighteen. 
What was Solo's so, second? Like 700, 800? Yeah. 600? Yep. Seven so something. 300,000 probably more. Yeah. That's tough. Producer Jacob, correctly, Producer Jacob correctly identifies that. Congratulations, KP. This is the most amount of money Tony Finau could possibly make. That's absolutely right. That's tough. That's a tough, tough scene there. Might be true. Oh, might be true. So that gets you to 2.6 million, and I get a, a, a similar 456,000 thanks to Ryan Palmer, who just continued to hang around all week long, gets me two T2 money, and I now cross over the $3 million mark. So I don't think that the uh, standings, the order has changed. So it's still Mark, Greg, Rick, that's me, Kyle, producer Jacob, and coach rounding out our one and done standings. Gentlemen, it's been a week. Uh, it's been a heck of a week. Anything else? I mean, we've we, we've just been airing it out. Anything else we need to talk about before we put a bow on Farmers Insurance Open Week? I will not be doing this show next Sunday because some of us have to be a part of the Super Bowl coverage after the golf coverage. So mm -hmm. I'm just going to say, go Chiefs. Well, I do one of the feeds for the Super Bowl, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. But it's going to be hard to call a feed when my team's playing. But I'm going to figure it out. So I'm going to miss you guys next week. But I'll be I'll be thinking about you. All right, we'll keep a close eye, Coach. We'll be supporting you through the airwaves. Uh, what else? Anybody? Greg. Greg had that look about him. Looked like he wanted to say something. No. I f I feel like we uh, did a nice job. I think we covered. I think we covered our bases here. <laughs> we got we had some success. It is a pat on the back. We had a, a victory on on the betting card, uh, an outright, which is always nice. We had a couple of big hits and one and done. So it, it's exciting. Things are moving in the right direction. We're doing good. <laughs> Taking right. it one day at a time. <laughs> one day at a time, right? <laughs> Taking to the price. Uh, I, I love it. Producer, producer Jacob, who went viral this week, uh, integral in getting all of this stuff done. So thank you to producer Jacob. Greg Ducharme, you can find him on Twitter at the Real GFD. That's the coach who you can find on Twitter at the Coach Rules. That's Mark Immelman, who you can find on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. Kyle Porter, KP, at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Rungood. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.